Episode 131 in the Actors Room. My name's Jeff Tarowski. This week, we talk about a film written and directed by John Cassavetes called A Woman Under the Influence, done in 1974. Starring in it is his wife, Jenna Rollins, and good friend, Peter Falk. It's interesting also that Cassavetes casted his own mother, and he casted Jenna Rollins' own mother as well. We'll talk about how important that is to John in this episode of The Actors Room. Here we go. It's all about love, and it's all about family. Well, that's the way John Cassavetes wanted it when he tackled this project in the early 70s. John's wife, Jenna, a marvelous actress, by the way, still alive at the tender age of 92. God bless her soul. Jenna is just a wonderful actress. And John was approached by Jenna at one point And Jenna said, John, I want you to write me a character. Put it in a play. And I want to star in it. I have faith in you. I think you can write me one hell of an acting adventure. John took it on. It took him a while to get the story going. But he had a pretty good idea on the character in his head that he wanted Jenna to try. He brought it to Jenna, the first draft. Jenna didn't like it. He tried again, brought it to her the second time, and she really did like the character and the plot line. But she said, John, there's one problem. He said, what? She said, there's no way in hell I can play this lady six, seven days a week in a play on Broadway. Ain't going to happen. I would go absolutely crazy insane. And you know what? She's right. I see it. There's no doubt about it. If any actress at all had to play that role that Jenna played for more than I think John said it took 13 weeks to make this film. Anything more than that, it's dangerous. Because this woman, folks, there aren't many characters in literature and film study that went through the ringer like Jenna Rollins did in 1974 at the hands of her husband <laughs> doing this project. The first time I saw this movie, I could I was torn inside. You feel that. And doing research on this film, I found out that Richard Dreyfus gave an interview after he saw this movie and said he was so involved so upset entangled that after the film he went home and he got sick it affected him that deeply there's a lot going on in this film and project first it was supposed to be a play but because of its magnitude and pure rawness dangerous characters 
they decided to make it into a film. And if you know anything about John Cassavetes as a director in putting a project together like this, he did it completely on his own, 100%. My last episode, I talked about Vincent Gallo and how I think that him and Cassavetes are similar. And in this respect, they are. But Vince Gallo making Buffalo 66 did it with a backing of a studio and a producer. John Cassavetes didn't. (laughs) He did it all on his own and nearly didn't get it done because he ran out of money. But because of the help of Peter Falk, who also starred in this film, financially, Peter helped out. I think he gave around $500,000 to the film to keep it going and to get it done. Now that's someone involved in a project like an actor that really does have faith in it and will do anything to get this artistic film done. Before I get into the plot line, I want to bring up The way Cassavetes goes about making a picture as a director. It's it's free. It's loose. And it's crazy. There are moving pieces at all times. And because he's the man and answers to nobody. This beautiful action can occur. Actors that work with Cassavetes have said he doesn't really direct you. It's basically, hey, I wrote this. I'm going to direct it. I know what the characters are because I wrote it. But it is now yours. And this is being said By John to his actors. He gives them the script. They take the script. They look at their lines. And their character. And it now becomes theirs. From John's viewpoint. He has no business. Whatsoever. Telling them how to act. How to act. When to act. Where to stand for the most part. And the way to feel. It has now been transferred over. And uh, I got to tell you, that's pretty rare too. Because a director wants his hand in how a scene goes in their mind. And because John wrote it, he's got a pretty good fucking idea. uh, The way the scene is supposed to go. But ah, not with John as director. If Jenna Rollins feels that her character feels like this in a certain situation... John will not stop it if he thinks it's different for him, if that makes any sense at all. For example, I heard an interview where John and Jenna are talking about this movie, and that comes up how crazy Jenna's character is and how screwy she is and why she did this and why she did that. And Jenna goes on and explains it, in her opinion about what uh, Jenna's character was feeling and then her action 
in the film. And John, you can hear him stirring a bit. (laughs) And he says something like, well, you know, I didn't write it that way or I didn't feel it that way. So that tells me (laughs) Jenna ran with something, went with it, and then it is portrayed through her eyes completely, 100%, with no interruptions from John. And I think John wrote it one way and Jenna did it another because I don't think they agreed on the final product. And they have said that. John said, well, I didn't see her that way in that aspect. And Jenna's like, (laughs) Jenna says something like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) She's like, you never got that character. He wrote it. He should know. But that's a great example of it going from a writer handing it to an actor and then a director allowing the actor to sort of make it their own. A hundred percent without the director always interrupting and, and telling him, no, you're wrong. I really want it this way. Why plant seeds of doubt into an actor's natural progressions in a character? Because Jenna was rolling and getting it within her. And that's correct. Because once a writer puts it on paper and then gives it away and wants to put it into a production, you're going to have life happen. Life happens. Why prohibit that? Why stick your nose in it? And as arrogant as most writers and directors are, okay, I think it's pretty simple that they are arrogant and aren't open to other people's views. Life is messy. (laughs) Life doesn't make sense. And that's a great way to go into this plot line (laughs) and going into this film. Because, quite honestly, a lot of it sometimes doesn't make sense. (laughs) I'm talking about, and I I know that really doesn't flow very well. (laughs) A lot of it sometimes didn't make sense. Sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's say, let's clear that up. Let's scratch what I just said. There are parts in this film, moments, scenes, that don't really make sense to a viewer that has never experienced anything going on in that crazy plot line. That that crazy family trying to make sense of their world. That world exists. It's happening around us. And it might be happening within your home. Or it has happened in your home. Many actors, actresses, and director hopefuls have approached Jenna Rollins in the past. And have said, I can't tell you how wonderful I think your film is. Because I went through that with my mom. You really portrayed a lot of my mom's qualities. And Jenna was floored by that. Because she keeps hearing it. And she knows that this stuff, this world, situations do occur. Goes to show you John Cassavetes had a firm grasp on life, messiness, (laughs) relationship, love, and family. 
all wrapped into this world. This film, 1974, a woman under the influence and uh, is wonderful as Jenna Rollins was. And she was. In my opinion, one of the greatest acting performances ever. Peter Falk, who plays her husband, is marvelous as well. Peter fought for this role. He knew John was working on something and wanted to be a part of it. Didn't matter what the project was. (laughs) Peter was fascinated with John Cassavetes because he knew he was unconventional and doing something different, something new and refreshing. Peter wanted to fight John Cassavetes years before because he got so frustrated with him as a director. Peter loved to work with John as an actor. But as a director, it was frustrating for John and Peter to work in the same room. Peter wanted to be directed. He didn't want that freedom. He wasn't used to that. He wanted Cassavetes to tell him where to stand. This guy... He doesn't get it. A director does this. A director does that. And he does none of it. (laughs) He explained to John that very thing. And told him I would never ever work with you as a director. Ever again. But after that occurrence years before. Peter couldn't help himself. With the realization that John was a brilliant writer. And the freedom he gave his actors was tempting and tantalizing. And something that Peter wanted to dive into. Scary. Very scary. But as an artist, why the hell not? I mean, for me, me going through school and dealing with directors and teachers, I mean, they really do have a hold on you. And to think that there was a director at one point in time like John Cassavetes, that allowed his actors to just do what they wanted, to be free without any interruptions. I mean, having that freedom is wonderful. And even John said that himself. He said, I want you to go so far out there. He wanted them to just go crazy. If that's what you wanted to do, and that is truthful for you, okay, do it. And if they want me to hold them back, I won't. I never will. Because that's wrong. It's your truth. And for that, that makes great art. Okay, we're going to have to move on. I think it's simply stated by me (laughs) how much I appreciate the concept of freedom in art. I mean, (laughs) when you start talking about art and there's restrictions... That makes no sense to me. There should be no restrictions in the art of anything. (laughs) Nothing. I mean, doesn't that make sense? I think it makes perfect sense. I just tell you. And that's why I think there are a lot of critics of of Cassavetes. It's just, just, seems like just people in a room and they're just, it's a mess and and the dialogue's here and there and this. And then. And then you stand back, I stand back and go, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, okay, I, I kind of get what you're saying, but um, isn't that life, though? 
right? If you ever listen to the conversation going on at your dinner table or at a party or something, at a, a get together, a holiday, does it make sense at all? Any of it? <laughs> I mean, at least John was able to create scenes and have a plot line and a beginning and a middle and end, and having all this beautiful natural uh, emotion and behavior happening. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to the film. (laughs) Jenna plays Mabel. And Peter Falk plays Nick. Mabel and Nick are married. Okay, before we get to their relationship in the film, I want to touch on the past of Nick and Mabel. Because there's a past, and it plays into how this film develops and unfolds because Mabel has been a little screwy. She's just different. She's, she wants to please Nick so badly. I mean, that's all her world revolves around Nick. It shows she loves him so much. She'll do anything for him, anything at all. And I think this has been going on since the beginning of their marriage. And they've been married for at least 10 years, at least So Nick has been going through this with his wife. The fact that she dotes on him the way she does. And it's making her crazy. And I think that's important. Her love for him makes her drunk, high. She loves being around Nick in anything involving Nick. So let's get into that. How... uh, How screwy, how out there and damaged is Jenna's character of Mabel? She's almost gone. Not completely, but definitely screwy. This bothers Nick. How long has she been screwy? Couple of years? Five years? Six months? Personally, I I think it's probably been uh, a couple of years, I'm going to say. Only John Cassavetes knows that number for sure. And Jenna, I'm sure she knew that. And even John's and Jenna's numbers may not align. Might be different. In John's writing, it could be five years. In Jenna's mind and her character, it could be six months. Who knows? But the point is, it's been driving Nick just crazy himself. Now he's now on edge about... How uncomfortable it makes him feel. And when he brings people to the house, how they feel about his wife, how she acts, how clingy she is. Let's get to the important beginning. Nick works construction and works a lot. Mabel wants to spend time with them. She sends the kids off with her mother, which is her real mother, by the way. They work beautifully together. And Mabel sends the kids off to sleep at Grandma's house. Uh, Mabel and Nick will spend the night together alone. Nick can't do it. Uh, There's been a water break. uh, And water's everywhere downtown. He has to work all night. He feels really bad about it because he knows Mabel's been looking forward to this. He's worried. What's she going to do? He knows. She's alone in that house. The kids are gone. She's expecting him. He can't make it. 
And you hear the worry in his voice. Are you going to be okay? Mabel, it's okay. Yeah, we're going to be fine. Hangs up the phone. Of course, she's not fine. She's uh, pacing, smoking, drinking. Leaves the house, goes to a bar, picks up a guy. And getting drunker and drunker, she loses her consciousness. He takes advantage of her. This man she brings home. She, of course, is trying to deal with it. Disassociating the whole thing. Uh, The man leaves. Nick comes home. And he comes home with his crew. They're going to eat. They're going to eat spaghetti. Jenna's character, Mabel, loves this. Number one, she gets to see her husband. And number two, she gets to see all these men that work with him. And she wants to be a part of that. This is the best scene in the movie. They're all sitting around eating together. Talking, laughing, drinking, smoking, singing, engaging. Mabel loves this. She's a part of Nick's world. Nick's job means a lot to him. Brings home the money. Keeps the roof over their head. Mabel wants to be a part of that. And in the process of being involved in this situation, eating, making everybody feel like they're part of the family, she gets too into it. And she starts to make people around her feel uncomfortable. Flirting with one of the men in the crew. And Peter Falk's character, Nick, doesn't like it. Tells Mabel to sit down. And he's very harsh about it. You know, she, and I'm wondering, did Cassavetes want Peter to portray it that way? That harsh? Because Peter, he took that on. He went the harsh route. You could tell how deep Peter went with Nick that this must have been going on for a while. So I'm going to take that back and say, and make a prediction at least two years that this has been going on where Mabel's screwy. <laughs> Nick's like, I can't take it anymore. He's yelled at her before. This might be the 20th time he's yelled at her to take it easy. You know, no more full court presses lay off. This, of course, makes everybody uncomfortable. Everybody. So they leave. Uh, one by one, the crew leaves. And it's Nick and Mabel. He's at one end of the table. She's at the other. And here you get to see a lot more nuttiness in Mabel's behavior. Uh, the, the contorted face. The, and she, uh, she does this thing with her thumb. You know, she sticks her thumb out and... You know, gives the phases and um, normal people don't do that. I they just don't. So I mean, you see what Nick is dealing with, and he tells her, "You did nothing wrong, okay? It's just sometimes you go too far, and I have to reel you in, basically. Um, you made people uncomfortable, and I reacted, and I think that." This is a very important part of what's to come because you see what both of them are dealing with in the relationship, this marriage. It's, it's unhealthy in a way because they can't truly talk about their problems without this wedge of lunacy, uneasiness. There isn't a normal conversation 
there's this elephant in the room of sickness. Am I right? I'm not sure if I'm... I'm trying to make sense of their communication. Is Nick already convinced himself that his wife needs help? And from her end, does she really believe Nick when he says, you did nothing wrong, I love you, everything's fine? No, (laughs) I just don't believe it. I think Nick is gone thinking she needs help. And she's hopeful that he means what he says. I don't think she completely believes it. I don't. Uh, I just want to note that Cassavetti said they rehearsed the spaghetti scene three days before shooting. Okay, the next part of the film is the next morning. You have Nick and Mabel in bed. Nick is exhausted. He worked a lot the previous day. He just wants to sleep. Well, Mabel's mom brings the kids home a bit early. And Mabel's pissed. This was priceless on the end of John Cassavetti's To Watch. Because Jenna and her mother were very close. Kind of like best friends in real life. And Jenna told John that my mom and I are very close. And that's something you're going to have to deal with in our life. <laughs> you know, you know that, that's just the way it is. And John felt the same way about his mother. So he's like, that's, that's great. That's fine. <laughs> you know, but he put Jenna and her mom in this movie and there's friction. And John said he enjoyed putting both of them in that situation. <laughs> I'm sure he did. <laughs> he also said he wanted to see a scene that had Jenna's mom driving because she's a horrible driver. And he just loved to put people in distressing situations and see the beautiful things that happen, the moments uh, it creates. <laughs> it does. Because you see Jenna uh, telling her mom how to drive as she's getting out of the driveway with the kids earlier in the film. The little things like that that John would do. John surrounded himself with friends and family when he made a picture. It was home to him on the set this was paradise for him it was the paradise was actually making the film and seeing the behavior um the business side was evil he said something he didn't talk about Uh, interviewers would bring up the business side and he would pretty much tell them to shut up Nobody wants to know about that stuff because it's evil. That's the evil side of the business. We got to talk about the film, the behavior, the people around me. John put everyone he adored, loved, and trusted around him when he produced and directed his films. He could pick the camera guy. He could pick the grip. You know, he can have other writers around him. He would bring in film students. You know, get advice from them. Uh, You know, it was family. I mean, what other director would cast his mom and Jenna's mom and sometimes their kids would be around and, and some of the actors' kids would be in the movie? 
I mean, it was complete family. He trusted him. And he was surrounded by people he loved. I mean, it's beautiful. And love, love, that's what it was always about. Uh, the love for your spouse or your, your kid, your significant other, whatever the case is, is so much. They go crazy. And I just watched She's So Lovely again for the 20th time. She's So Lovely with Sean Penn and Robin Wright. Uh, it was written by John Cassavetes. He wanted to do that movie in the 70s. The 60s, maybe. Just never happened. But it got done because his son Nick, John's son Nick, directed it, got it to the screen. Guess who's in it? Jenna, his mom. No way, really? <laughs> but if you know that movie, it's the same thing. Like, there's so much love that the characters, they bust a nut in their head. Did I just say that? But it's true. It's so true. They just lose all sense of themselves. And bring something inside just goes, it breaks. The broken people. These are broken people. The, that's what he, he wanted to see and feel that. The, the shattering. And then trying to make sense of that. Because isn't that the ultimate where you crack something up completely, you smash it, and you try to put it back together. Now, it's not going to look like it was originally. Of course, nothing does. Life changes. We're never, we're never the same. You're going to be different tomorrow than you were today. You are completely different the way you were five years ago. Completely. You're nothing. Like you were five years ago. You think you are. But you're not. Because <laughs> you, you've experienced so much in those five years. That's what John wanted to do. He wanted to smash it. <laughs> this beautiful thing. Smash it. And then try to put it back together. And it's the process of trying to mold it back together. Put it in the, And then you set it down. You look at it and go. Oh boy. <laughs> well... We gave it our best shot. Woman Under the Influence, 1972. Directed by John Cassavetes. Let's move on. Let's talk about Nick. Played by Peter Falk. Is he likable? And this is, of course, the father and the husband. Is he likable? Do you identify with him? In the sense that if you were in that situation, how would you react to Mabel? Would you be calmer? Because in the film, there's a scene where Mabel is babysitting her kids and a couple of neighborhood kids. Well, one of the fathers is dropping off his set of kids to Mabel and kind of sees the way Mabel's acting and treating the kids. Although she doesn't mistreat the kids, she never does. She's actually a good mom. She may be screwy. But she loves her kids. As much as she loves Nick's, she loves the kids just as much. 
But the father that drops off his kids is like, oh, man, I can't leave my kids with this lady. She's a little weird. Well, she gets the father involved with the game they're playing. And it's weird, uh, but he plays along. And then there's stuff going on in a bedroom upstairs where the kids are playing some sort of weird game. One of them takes their clothes off, starts running around. Shenanigans occur. The father is just very uncomfortable. He wants to get the hell out of there. He wants his kids out of there. He just wants out. Well, guess who comes home? Nick. He comes in and sees this craziness going on. Actually hits Mabel because he's just, he's frustrated and done with the craziness. And he confronts the father that's in the house and Get your kids out of here. Just go. Just get the hell out of my house. And Nick realizes that something needs to be done. Uh, Before we get into that, I want to talk about Nick in this situation and as a father. There are moments in this film where you can see he's trying so hard to be a good dad. You know, he, he wants to be with his kids. He works so much. You know, he wants to take him to the beach. He wants them to have fun. He takes them out of school to have fun with them. You know, the kid, before you know it, they're going to be all grown up and you miss these moments. And he wants his kids to have a stable mom. A mom that won't put him in situations of danger. Um, And he feels the best course of action is to put Mabel into an institution. Get her help. Make her better. Hopefully she can be close to what she used to be. The woman that he fell in love with all those years ago. He's losing her. And if that happens, his world crumbles. Because I think that family means a lot to him. I mean, John Cassavetes wrote this character. John Cassavetes says his mom is one of the characters. Jenna's mom is one of the characters. I think family meant a lot to John Cassavetes. So I think Nick, through Cassavetes' eyes, dealing with a crazy wife, crazy mom, wants nothing but what's best for Mabel. And for Peter Falk and Nick, the best thing is for her to go away. Ah, gosh, folks, sorry. <laughs> I got so not. I cut my finger earlier today. I was cutting the dog. Cutting the dog. He's, he's getting really hairy. I mean, it's go- covering his eyes. His paws are a mess. <laughs> I can't get him into the groomers. For some reason, every pet groomer in the suburb of Strongsville, they're booked up. I can't get him in anywhere. So I'm trimming this dog today. He needs it. And I clipped my finger. I mean blood. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. And I, blood to me, I get faint. I get weird. I just, uh, even if it's my own blood, I just get queasy. <laughs> so I stumble over to the basin sink. I was downstairs in the basement. Thank God. I'm getting blood everywhere. So I'm like, ah, and I'm bleeding out in the sink. And I, you know, so I'm dealing with that today. So I, I 
getting into this uh, episode here. I'm clenching my fists and everything. I, I forget that I have a big fucking cut on my finger. It's sorry. It's, it's bleeding a little bit. Last time I bled in an episode was I did an episode years ago, like six years ago. Gary Oldman, part two. I just had one of my teeth ripped out. One of my wisdom teeth. Uh, it was the night before. I had my wisdom tooth ripped out. It might have been the same day. I don't know. But anyway, it was pretty recent. And I was dedicated to do that show. I was like, I'm going to do that show. I got to do it. I got my notes. I'm ready to go. And you could tell that Gary Oldman part two episode, I was freaking, I was numb. I I don't remember much of it. I don't remember how I got through that episode. I was bleeding. My mouth was bleeding. I was swallowing my butt. It was a mess. And I swore I would never do that again. You know, bleeding while I did an episode. Well, sorry, folks. I, I broke that oath. I, I broke that promise. Bleeding again today. It's not my mouth. It's my finger. But anyways... I know, I'm like delirious. I lost so much blood today. I'm like all lightheaded and shit. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like drunk uh, on the fact I have uh, less blood in me today. I have to uh, nourish myself. How do you get blood back? Is this a waiting game? Can I drink juice? Is that what, you know, because when you give blood, don't they give you like orange juice and stuff? <laughs> I should be drinking orange juice right now. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Talking about John Cassavetes makes me drunk too. It does. I feel a little drunk, a little high. Uh, John loved to get drunk a lot. So, (laughs) and I was talking to my wife. I don't care. It's my fucking show. I was talking to my wife. uh, We were talking about John and Jenna. And she wanted, because I was watching uh, this movie and I was also watching a couple of other Cassavetes movies this week. I watched Opening Night, which was really good. Um, and Husbands, and of course I watched She's So Lovely with Sean Penn. Those are all Cassavetti projects. And she asked about, my wife, asked about Jenna and John, you know, their story. And I said they met at acting school. Jenna met John in, I think, 1953? No, long time ago. (laughs) In 1953 at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, in New York City. John had already graduated. He graduated in like 51. And Jenna took classes there in 53. A couple years later. And that's when they met. It was John was just hanging out. At the academy. Because he just loved to be around people. That acted. And were just whatever. He was visiting. He loved the place. Jenna was taking classes there. He saw her in a production. At the academy. Loved her performance. Went backstage, and that was that. It was it. That was over. Jenna fell head over heels for John. He's very uh, charismatic. You should see interviews with Cassavetes, especially when he was younger. Boy, he was just so full of life. Just interesting guy. You could tell, like, he could sell anything. He could sell you an idea, a project. No problem. He had, he just had that, that, that slick, 
the way he talked and he moved around. He was very animated. Like, hey, how's it going? Hey, do this project. We do this and acting art. And uh, yes. <laughs> that was John. Full of love and life. And getting back to uh, the fact that uh, the relationship between Nick and Mabel. Okay. It was damaged. It was hurting. And of course you have... Mabel's mom concerned, and then you have Nick's mom, who was played by John Cassavetti's mom, real mom. That's his real mom in this film. And uh, his mom went into this scared. It was a bigger role, the biggest role she ever played in anything she did. If she did anything else, I don't know. But I think she did all of her acting with her son as a director or whatever. And She's okay. I mean, she actually did a fine job. She's no terrific actress. She's not going to be doing Shakespeare in the Park anytime soon. She probably passed anyway. But I'm just saying at that time, I'm sure she wasn't doing Shakespeare in the Park. She was, uh, you know, as an actress, (laughs) she was fine doing a project with her son. It was safe, you know? So she did fine. But you have Nick's mom there and... Nick's mom just wants her son to be happy. And she could see how this was just eating away at him. The way Mabel was acting. Driving her son crazy in the process. So any mom will protect her son in any way. And she's yelling at Mabel, you're unfit mother, you, you do this, you do that. My son tells me the things you do. Um, it's not right. You need to go away. And Jenna's character of Mabel is faced with this. This you you got to get this done. It has to happen. Uh, for you to continue as a mom and wife, you have to go away. Now, everybody's against her. Even her love, Nick, her husband, is sending her away. This is betrayal to her. Isn't it? It has to be. Nick has, in her eyes, Nick has quit on her. He doesn't believe that she could do it on her own anymore. And what a scene that was. Holy shit. I've seen this five times. At least five. And I st- it's still hard for me to watch that scene where she's fighting Nick. You know, she's, she's fighting the doctor. She's fighting Nick's mom. She's fighting everybody, you know? And ultimately she loses. But that scene is raw. It's emotional. It's, it's, Jenna Rollins, you are unbelievably talented and brave. What she put herself through. Because... Cassavetes didn't put her through anything, really. That was all Jenna making decisions as an actress. You know, uh, feeling that and and allowing it to happen. And and, and then she brings this craziness to it. Is that what John gave her? This, you know, the faces and her crazy uh, movements. And what was... she let's put it this way. She must have been exhausted every 
night when she went to bed. I'm sure it didn't take long for her to fall asleep. If she had any energy at all to fall asleep. That poor lady. Maybe she was up for 13 weeks. Maybe. I don't know. But, hey. Sometimes these artists, they love to go through that stuff. I mean, as much as John loved writing it and directing it and going through all that. Jenna probably enjoyed the whole process of that. Uh, Yeah, it was exhausting. Yes, it was emotional. But she only had to do it for a short period of time. But isn't that enough? I mean, talk about therapy. Like if she had any issues with anything, right? She kind of went through it, right? She was brave in that way. Vulnerable. Vulnerable. Watch this movie. I mean, it made Richard Dreyfuss sick. That's how real it was, folks. And that's what we're talking about here. Art in real situations in time. So Mabel is taken away. Institutionalized. Getting better. Time goes by. It's time for her to come home. Nick is nervous. Uh, He wants to do it right. Invites a shitload of people over to the house for the homecoming, right? Stupid. And even Nick's mom tells him that. You're being stupid. It's too many people. What are you doing? Get all these people out of here. It should just be the family. So that's what they do. Nick gets everybody out of the house. Thanks for coming. It's too much. Thank you, everybody. I'm sorry. They all leave. And Mabel comes home. It's just her family. Her mom and dad. His mom and dad, the kids, a doctor, that's it. Uh, I want to point out, you get to see the relationship between Mabel and her dad, her mom. Uh, the relationship between Nick and Mabel's dad, what that's all about, that's interesting. Um, the scene where Mabel goes and sees her kids for the first time and how long... When she's been away, it's so, you know, as a father, you know, you can identify with that. I can try to imagine not being with my kids for an extended period of time and then seeing them, you just, I I would be so full of emotion. I, I don't know. And in her case, it's a little different, but the same. She hasn't seen them in a long time. She missed them. And John Cassavetti said that scene, he tried to make the kids as comfortable as possible um, because working with kids in itself is difficult on set. And there were uh, union people there to make sure the kids were okay. Um, There's only a certain amount of time kids can work. And then John had to work around that. But he said the kids were wonderful. Just wonderful. And he tried to make them as comfortable as possible. Uh, things light. Um, that scene he said was hard to do. And it was hard for Jenna to do. Being around the kids. and I mean. That emotional environment. 
in this picture. It must have been thick. It's thick with, uh, I don't know, art? <laughs> thick with frustration, feeling, anger? Because, you know, Peter Falk's character of Nick was angry a lot, confused. I mean, if you haven't seen a lot of Peter Falk films, and all you know him is from Columbo or The Princess Bride, right? You will be blown away by this other side of Peter Falk. And folks, there's another side of Peter Falk because what you see in this movie is Peter Falk in this situation. John Cassavetes didn't tell Peter to react the way he did at any time during this picture. Not once. These are all decisions by Peter. And I find that interesting. I would have never thought Peter himself would react the way he did in certain situations. But we don't know what goes on behind closed doors with anybody. Anybody. Even people in your own family. We show faces out on in parties, get-togethers, reunions, whatever the case is. Work. We put on faces. But we don't really know how Joe acts when he's at home. When the doors are closed and things happen. That's when reality happens. Doesn't it? And those of us who are married. No. Okay. It takes some time to get comfortable with your significant other. Okay? There's issues that come up. You got to talk about them. You get to see who these people really are. Don't you? <laughs> and if it's things that can be worked out, you work them out. You get through it. You get past it. And doesn't the bond become stronger too? It's almost like both of you become one. But isn't that what marriage is all about? Give and take. This marriage needed given and taken. Mabel and Nick. And it was just too much for Mabel. Just everything all together at the end. And she felt the best course of action, which is never the best course of action, was to try to commit suicide. And of course it it doesn't happen Uh, She saved. Um, Everyone else doesn't matter. The only thing that matters in this film is Nick, Mabel, and the kids. And we hope and pray within the confines of this artistic world of John Cassavetes... (laughs) That Mabel and Nick are okay. And it was really sweet. Jenna Rollins was asked that. And she said, I was hopeful that Nick and Mabel were okay. So do I. Thank you, Jenna Rollins. Thank you, Peter Falk. Thank you, John Cassavetes. Thank you, Mrs. Cassavetes and Mrs. Rollins. You did good. This was a very emotional movie. Uh, wow. It's, I found it hard 
because it's so much to sort of put a word to a lot of stuff I feel. I need to broaden my vocabulary, I think. I need to read more, I think. You know what's really funny? I'm recording this podcast right now. My freaking dog (laughs) is barking outside my bedroom door. Why? I don't know. I have other people here. Why why is it that he feels a need to bother me? Oh, you know what it is? (laughs) He's barking because he needed to go outside. And the door is like right under my room. Anyway, <laughs> I should probably erase that. I'll probably erase that. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of The Actors Room. My name's Jeff Tarowski. Always support the show. Please go on iTunes. Go to my website. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Four-star review. Thank you. Whatever you want. Do a one-star. Hey, I'm reaching out. And... I want to say thank you. This episode was recommended by a listener. And I went, yeah, that sounds good. Perfect. A nice follow-up from my previous show about Vincent Gallo and Buffalo 88. And I'm wondering, have any of you seen that movie yet? If you haven't already, what did you think about it? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you go, Jeff, you really like that movie? Or, Jeff, what a great movie. I'm glad that uh, you know I could listen to the show and see something new that I didn't know before. Because Buffalo 88 wasn't mainstream at all. <clears throat> but a lot of people do know about it and are fans of Vincent Gallo. I'm a big fan of Gallo. I'm a huge fan of John Cassavetes. I love Peter Falk. So this movie... I could watch over and over again. It is filled with behavior. Moments. Rich with emotion. It was real. John wanted his actors to be free. And the actors said there were times they had no idea John was rolling. John His film was always rolling. There was no cut. There was no take five. It was always going. So you never knew if he was going to use something in the movie. If he felt it worked. He might have spent a lot of money on film. But he got some great, great moments. Think about the editing process on that film. It took 13 weeks to shoot. And John said it took about a year to edit. That's how much film he was working with. That's a lot of film. That's dedication. And it took a great deal for this film to get out. There were studios that didn't want to do it. They passed on it. Said no. John would actually call up theaters. Go there in person. And beg them to play his film. That's how much John would make things on his own. He didn't want help. He didn't want anybody messing with his shit. It meant so much to him. He was the artist. And he wanted things done the right way. 
his way. <laughs> Thanks again. Hope all is well. And uh, those of you out there listening to my show, thank you. And I hope you continue listening. God bless you. Have a good one.